0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: look at the Oilers, holy We've worked hard to make sure that we've called attention to the areas that we feel we need to, to be better at. A strike to Derek Ryan, right wing. Fogel's in front. Centered pass, and to him. And Warren Fogle has his first of the playoffs. it takes the one. It's game. Won the faceoff. Ripped on net. A tough save made on Eichel by Stuart Skinner. That was a great look, but Edmonton will break out. Now three on one. Leads McDavid to the net. Shoot, save. Rebound fired. And Brassois is shaken up. That one might have gone off the mask. But Aiden Hill is warming up as Brassois is writhing on the ice right now. And correction was Kane who takes the shot and yeah, doesn't even hit Brasois. He's stretched to his right. But
0: I think Aiden Hill's coming into this game. He's coming in. That's it for LB.
1: by Skinner and a rebound up to him. And there's Marcia so finally breaking through. And Marcia so ties game on the rebound. To the net. Flipped it in front, redirected home two to one Vegas. Marcia so will get his second of the period. on net by Martinez, and a save made by Jack Campbell, who entered the game in relief of Stuart Skinner after 32 minutes of play. White Clown heading for the net. wrist shot score! 3-1. Eichel walks in, waits, shoots, and scores! 4-1! against Jack Campbell by Nicholas Waugh and it's 5-1 Vegas. And then finish challenging. There was no fender interference prior to the goal. There is incidental contact in the blue. Martinez the goal comes off the board and the score remains 4 1. Now it's tipped home by Stevenson off the rush, anyways. Wow. We have a lot of really good hockey players. No one was happy with game number three, but that was 48 hours ago. We're worried about making sure that we're at our best here. And when we're at our best, we think we're a pretty dangerous team to handle.
0: Our orders are going to need to elevate uh, their level of performance. No question about that. Special thanks to Derek Scott for putting that uh, pack together. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 2.09 in Edmonton. Extended Oilers Now coverage throughout the course of the playoffs, 12 to 3. The rest of the way, as long as the Oilers go, uh, we'll go 12 to 3 here on Oilers Now. To so the Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown and Ben Thompson. For me, the two best players that are not in the U of A Sports Wall of Fame. they got to change their. Uh, uh, I mean you got you know, all Canadian maybe the best football player the Bears football program's had in the last forty years and maybe the most impactful hockey player the Bears have had. They don't have them on their Sports Wall of Fame. I, I don't get it. What, who's making the calls over there anyways? When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, they get the best results. They get the most experience. We'll find out game time on Zach Hyman and Matthias Janmark. My guess is Hyman will find a way to play. Logan Thompson out along with Laurent Brassois for the Vegas Golden Knights. A uh, pair of players, uh, goaltenders, Thompson out with a uh, uh, back injury. And Brassois, is that right? No, he's uh, Thompson. Da, 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 a lower body injury for Thompson. And Versois is out with an LB, LB is out with an LBI, uh, lower body injury as well. We are going to head off to the River Career Resort and Casino Hotline and go to our Oilers Now headliner today. That's right, he's our headliner for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Saw Trent uh, down in Vegas on the uh, uh, opening two games of the series. Uh, Trent Nicole, search for your. Will Hawk Today, W-I-L-H-A-U-K Today. That's W-I-L-H-A-U-K Today. Will Hawk Beef Jerky. David Staples called the hockey back on the show. Hello, David. How are you doing? Great, Bob. How are you? Good. How ugly were the uh, post-game ratings that uh, you and uh, uh, Bruce McCurdy and Kurt Levins, I don't know which one of you guys did the the, uh, ratings after that uh, uh, 5-1 loss at home on Monday night, but it couldn't have been too pretty.
2: Kurt did them. And there was, uh, we mark them out of, on a scale of ten, one 1 to 10, with 10 being, you know, out of this world and 1 being, well, you deserve to be sent to the minors. And there was lots of twos and threes in that game. That was a pretty uh, frustrating game. I think, um, I know that the fan base, I could see it in the fan base, man, after the orders dominating performance in game two. Yes. And Evander Kane's. You know, intimidation of the of the uh, Golden Knights and the whole the photograph of him, the woman giving him the finger, and him blowing her the kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone was riding pretty high in Edmonton, and I think uh, I don't know if that carried over to the team itself. They were coming back from a ten game road trip, I understand, and there's often kind of a down game coming back, but that's in the regular season. I mean, this was really unexpected, Bob. It was a it was a stinker game, you know. In the regular season, you, a regular team will have like one in seven or eight games will be that kind of stinker game.
0: No, no, they'd have about one in twenty
2: of those games. Well, this uh, year, yeah, this year, yeah, this year. In in yeah. a year, you know, <laughs> it was a lot more than that. But in the playoffs, you don't expect it, do you? I mean, no. Now you brought up no. you brought up a couple
0: interesting points. So I talked about, and, and here's the thing. Every step of the way on yesterday's show and today's show, I talked about the fact that the owners didn't play well enough. Uh, They kind of deserved what they got. Uh, You know, it was a poor performance. Uh, They were lack and jump, lack and spark. But two plays in front of the officials, 6.30 left in the period, the play on Hyman, and 4.30 left, the cross-check by Howden on uh, Bouchard and a dramat- the non-calls dramatically affected the, the game. Hyman uh, was compromised the rest of the game, and Bouchard, uh, I think he was rattled after
2: that, and your numbers suggested that that was the case. Yeah, he just, his game fell apart for the next, uh, I think he kind of got it back later in the game. Yeah. But his game fell apart, and he just started to leak grade-A chances. He just was, he just, was not himself. I mean, he's not the best defensive defenseman on the orders, but he's he's been okay-ish in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, he was just getting beat uh, left, right, and center. Well, he and toe-picked on the one, right? He uh, he did, and that's just a tough play. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible thing to happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, like the, um, the hit on Hyman, the defenseman had his legs wide, so you think they might call that. But I just can't. I can't fathom how a cross-check from behind, right through the numbers... Um, driving a player headfirst into the boards on the play on Bouchard isn't called. I mean, it's they're the only. It's not like there's not a clear line of sight on the play, right? Um, it just it's a mystery. I, to I mean. gave them the
0: one on Yamamoto, the high stick. I yeah, gave them, me too. Because yeah. you know what, from my vantage point up top here, it's in the corner. There's scuffling. There's there's four players involved. I can see how the the, the one again the one on Hyman for me that's. He stuck his, you know, he's
2: kind of leg stuck. He
0: stuck his leg out wide, and and then the one on Bouchard. I mean, the league said they were going to crack down on that, and it led to a great a scoring opportunity. And yep. there's only one reason why those calls don't get made, because someone has decided that's managing that game. You know what? And, and and put it this way: if you watched the NHL game one and game two of the playoff series against Vegas, you would have thought both calls would have been made. And here's the deal. Yes, Edmonton wasn't good enough, but sometimes other things happen in games that alter the course and direction of the game. If they get on and their power play's good and Vegas' penalty killing's been awful. So if they get on a power play in either of those situations when the game's one one, you know, maybe they get one. Hey, who's saying maybe? They score half the time on the power play. And it just it seemed to me like there was a, it was the way they were waving the calls off too. We're not calling that. No, we're not calling. Like, you know what I mean? And I was and I was sitting there watching, going, like, and and you know what? So you know, I put the tweet out this morning, David. Yeah, the order's got to dramatically improve five on five. Everybody knows that, but there's another reason why they need to dramatically improve five on five, because there's fewer calls as series go on. And it, and Cam Sharon put a tweet out on this, saying that teams that get that have really good power plays get way fewer calls as the series goes on because the officials don't want to influence the outcome of the game. And what do they do in the process? They out, they influence the outcome of the game. It, it
2: seemed like the rule was um, if if an infraction happens on a clear scoring chance for the owners, they might call it, but anything else, they're not calling. And um, you know like honestly i felt it was shameful the the non call on bouchard because that that is a very dangerous and risky play to get driven headfirst into boards with a cross check for the numbers and um when you start putting the health of players at risk like that when you're an, an nhl referee i just think it's shameful honestly and um, they they're you know they're fundamentally irresponsible not uh, protecting the players from that kind of injury, so I in, uh, just on that level, I didn't like the call. I mean, I don't like it as an Oilers part of that, which I am. But um, if an oiler had been called on a penalty like that, you know, I don't think anyone would have complained. It's an obvious penalty. And they got to call it, and and I and I think you're right, Bob, and I think Cam, no. you know, good for Cam for running those numbers because it's not surprising. Uh, now, at, at the end of the day,
0: Edmonton has to play way better. Nothing has changed in that regard. They got the team has to play way better. Is this? I mean, this is a really this this team's so deep that they're not playing uh, Paul Cotter, who had ten plus goals, nor Phil Kessel, right? Yeah. They basically use the cap space. Uh, from Mark Stone to go land Ivan Barbashev, who's now playing on their top
2: line. Like This is a deep team, David. Before the series began, Bob, I mean, Vegas, both Vegas fans and Vegas pundits were very optimistic about uh, Vegas' uh, chances in this series. And the thing that they identified more than anything else was forward depth and the floor check the ability of this team to get in and play some heavy hockey in the offensive end. And I was thinking, well, you know, okay, fair enough. The Orders can also do that now. Like the Orders are good at that too. But this is and this is the first kind of worrisome trend I've seen with the Orders in the playoffs, other than Corposalo's hot play in the uh, first few games. Yes. Uh that series. So this is I guess the second worrisome trend if you're an Orders fan. Vegas isn't just Vegas it's not a slight edge at even strength. It's a huge edge at even strength. So we, we track grade-A shots at the Cult of Hockey. And the grade-A shots go in about 25% of the time, but we also track kind of a subset of that, which we call five-alarm shots. So they go in 33% of the time. And, you know, that's like a Leon Drysdale one-timer. That's how good those shots are. They're breakaways. They're, they're the very best scoring chances. And at even strength, Vegas has had 21, and the Oilers have had 11. So it's almost double the very best chances uh for the for vegas at even strength and and that is as an order fan and some well, of like concerning that, you know, I've been predicting that <laughs> that is going to stop or the orders will not win this series they got to find a way to reverse that and i don't know if they go to four lines tonight like the you know 12 and 6 um or what they're going to do how they're going to change it up or just just it's a it's a matter of attitude um but you got to fix it.
0: All right, David, you wrote a piece on Derek Ryan. Yeah. And I, based on what we saw last year in the playoffs, are you surprised that he's been this effective both in the regular season and in the playoffs this year?
2: Well, last year he was okay in the regular season, and then he really faded in the playoffs. And it was to the point where, um, I mean, he was one of the weakest honors forwards in the playoffs. And and to me, he looks slow and small. And I was thinking, if this, if, like, he had one more year on his contract at one point two five million, and I was thinking that he's lucky he's got that year, because if he didn't have it, and they were looking at signing, I think he was thirty five. That if they were looking at resigning him, they might not have done it. But he had that extra year, so this year he came back, and he was he wasn't just okay like he was last regular season. He was good. And now in the playoffs, Bob, he's stepped it up a notch. He is there. I think there's lots of smart hockey players on the orders, but he is the, he is the, the guy who best combines smarts with discipline. He's, he just is such a fine defensive hockey player. And, and I've said this before, like, I really think, like, I would love it if the orders started to deploy in the last minute of every period, Derek Ryan on the ice, especially when they have a lead. He's the guy you want out there because he's always thinking defense first. Like he, he can't afford to give up goals against like the top line players can now and then. He never could afford that. He wouldn't be in the NHL. So he makes sure as much as he can, that that does not happen. And he does it extremely well. He's always on the right side of his check in his own zone. Um, he's he, he can win a face-off, he's good on the PK, and he's finding a way to get some offense going. I mean, he went to the net um, earlier this series and got a nice goal off a dry settle rebound. He made a great pass to Fogle uh, last game for a goal. And he's just, he's getting in there. He's creating chances. And um, in terms of him being a smart player, one of the things, when we track the grade-A shots, one of, the, one of the categories that drives me most crazy is bad line changes that lead to a grade-A shot against. And Derek Ryan has not made one in his, in his two years with the Oilers. has not had one bad, not one bad line change that has led to a grade-A shot against. Whereas Nugent Hopkins and Dreisseltel, in comparison, both smart players, but they have eight each in the reg- uh, regular season play.
0: Well, they also played 20 minutes a game and Derek placed ten.
2: Fair enough, and that's fair enough. But um, he has none, and I wonder how many minutes he has to play before well, I have has-
0: a th- One of the reasons why he has none is he makes his, like he's obviously got the presence of mind to wouldn't know when to change. He does not extend his shifts. Yeah, like he right. knows. Like I mean, he he probably plays eleven minutes a game on average because Leon plays twenty two and Nuge plays twenty. So <laughs> there you have it. Are you concerned at all about David Staples joining us from the Cult of Hockey? Are you concerned with Ryan RNH? I read the stat before. He's got the most expected goals for without scoring of any player so far in the playoffs.
2: You know, I haven't actually been seeing him that good. Like that stat um, indicates, he's doing okay. I'm not honestly. I'm not seeing that at even strength. I think he's been the weakest uh, Oilers forward at even strength. He's leaked uh, a high number of chances against, and he's not creating a ton on the attack. He's got to find a way yep. to take it up a notch. It's as simple as that. And I don't think there's – maybe there's a stat that says, ah, it's actually all a mirage and he's doing okay. I don't believe that. He isn't doing okay. And he's got – I mean, he's, well, he, I think, I mean, think about it, that.
0: The first three games, he was with McDavid. And Connor struggled 5v5 in the matchup against And Leon, because during the regular season, Leon had the better 5-on-5 five five numbers uh, than, or sorry, McDavid had the better 5-on-5 five five numbers than Drysdale in the regular season. But in the first three games against L.A., it was Leon with the better numbers. And then they put McDavid and Leon together in game four when they were chasing down 3 nothing in period number two and never looked back the rest of the way. So that's an interesting point as well. Um...
2: Let's see. We've seen him, Bob. We've seen Nugent Hopkins play well in the playoffs. So it's not like he can't play well in the playoffs. He has done so in the past. So it's not like this guy who never does well in the playoffs. So I, I expect he can turn it around. He just has to do it.
0: Yeah, I, it makes. I mean, the reality is last year, Kane scored 13 goals. Uh, Hyman had 11. I mean, the owners only played 16 games. Nugent Hopkins had two against Calgary in game four, including the game winner. Like, those guys all, they were, I, I'm going to hazard a guess that all three of them we healthier last year than right now, but I don't, I, I mean, Hyman, it's obvious what he yeah. might be, like, he was significantly compromised as that game wore on. He was having problems skating. Uh, Kane's coming off a god-awful injury. I mean, it was a terrible injury that, that happened to him. Yeah. And and I don't, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't, Sometimes I have an inkling during the course of the regular season, like I knew CC was playing with something for uh, uh, at least six weeks, but I don't know with Nudes. Like, he could be hurt, and I just don't know. But the bottom line is, I mean, he got 104 points in the regular season. He hasn't scored a goal yet, and the Oilers could use some productivity from him
2: indeed, Bob, and they need some other players, big players. Darnell Nurse has had a very inconsistent playoff. He's had good games followed by awful games. The last one was an awful game. They just really need him to settle down and, and adopt kind of a less is more. He just wants to win so bad. I think he tries to win at every shift on every play. Instead of letting the game come to him, he tries to do too much, and that's what we're seeing from Nurse.
0: All right, uh, final question for you, David. It comes from The Fizzler. He (laughs) says, what's David's prediction for the upcoming election? Of course, David uh, Staples on top of the cult of hockey is uh, the provincial affairs columnist for the Edmonton Journal. What's David's prediction for the upcoming election? It seems Danielle Smith is trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That one comes to us from The Fizzler. What do you think?
2: Well, uh, I'll go with what the, there's a site, Bob, the the best polling site that, that aggregates all the polls is called Canada 338, it takes all the polls, turns out the numbers. And um, so I'll, what they're saying is it's a very close election in terms of popular vote. Uh, there's nothing much to speak between the two teams, but in terms of the number of seats they're going to get. Uh, the UCP now has, I think, a seventy-five to eighty percent chance of having uh, the majority of seats compared to the NDP because of the there's more seats in rural Alberta than in uh, urban Alberta. So that gives them a decided advantage. So um, uh, the seat count, I'm going to guess, is going to be about mm, forty-eight for the UCP, and I think there's eighty-three in total. So whatever there's is left, more than that,
0: isn't there more than
2: that? It's eighty-three. Maybe it's gone up. Um, so I'll, I'll say uh, 48 for the UCP. There's 87. That, 44 yeah, okay. to a majority.
0: So there's 87.
2: Yeah. So I'll say 48
0: for the UCP and the rest for the NDP. Well, that would be 39. David, great stuff. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now. Thanks, Bob. Alright, uh, we're going to marry the break. It's 2.26 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott joining you. Extended coverage in Oilers now. Uh, I want to mention Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang say, Go Oilers Go! they got a special flash sale taking place. 10000 off remaining 2022 F-150s. The boys are also uh, saying they still pay top dollar for trade-ins. Uh, they've had a run on used vehicles. They need more. If you have a vehicle that's in good condition, they'd happily purchase it from you or buy it outright. You can uh, give them a Call at 780-352-6048. Brent Ridge Ford, use your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaski. That's Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update at 2.30 with Randy Kilburn. Uh, we still have this day in Oilers history. And for Legacy Heating and Cooling, our NHL Insider, John Shannon.